This is The Dichotomies of Life, episode 19, A Generation of Lefts. Dichotomies of Life podcast, episode 19, A Generation of Lefts. Today has been a great day and it has been a great week. It's been a great day because I've been able to secure five guests over the weekend. I got four subscribers on my podcast. I have a bunch of support money coming in, so I appreciate that. And I found out I have a listener from Ireland. So if you're out there, hit me up on any of the socials at Tucker10 underscores or email me at the podcast at the do life podcast at gmail.com. It's been a great week for a lot of reasons. Let me start off by saying I'm pretty sure I locked down a deal to do some videography for a gym and help get their Instagram back up and popping for everyone who wants to get there to lose their COVID bodies, you know, hit me up in the uh, DMs or uh, email me again at the do life podcast at gmail.com. And they've started putting siding on my house and they've started putting drywall up on my house. As you know, me and my wife are getting a house built, a new build from the ground up. And, you know, it's cool to stop by every week and see the progress. So cannot wait for that. I've also started my on it Total Human 30-Day Challenge, and I'm feeling really, really good. Um, it's been a great process. I'm on the first week, and it's going along really good. So the reason I called this podcast A Generation of Lefts is because, as you know, my last name is Wright, and I have my father and my brother on the podcast today, and we are very creative all of us in our own aspects, but I have a feeling like we're all just a little off. And I thought it would be ironic instead of calling us the right to call us the lefts because we're just a tad off and we all love it. So that's why. So I thought that would be pretty cool. John is a teacher by profession. He is a instructor and he is working on starting a nonprofit for immigrants who want their citizenship and education for single parents. He is also my father and one of the biggest Yankee fans I know. (laughs) Jay, you guys know him from episode 17, A Trip Inside a Creative's Mind. He is my brother and he's got a bunch of stuff he's working on as well. Jay, why don't you let him know about that? Yeah, um, excuse me. Um, everything from a podcast of my own, the Art Life Podcast, which you guys um, can check out. We are launching September 1st. We will be on Spotify as well as uh, most major streaming platforms. Good to know. Um, and just, just check out our ArtX Art Media on Instagram. That's where we're going to be doing a lot of our stuff. Uh, yeah, everything you need to know is right there. Awesome, awesome. And so... For the sake of respect, I'm going to call you dad and not John. (laughs) The viewers will understand. But dad, tell me about some of the things that you've got going on and some of the plans that you have going on for this nonprofit. 
All right. Well, yeah. Well, well, first of all, thank you for inviting me to talk her. I appreciate it. Definitely. Thank yeah, you both um, for coming on. I've got a lot going on. Um, you know, life is, uh, seems even though in, in the time that we're living, it seems that there are so many things that you can keep busy with and so many uh, yeah. things that, uh, can be distractions too. So, um, my, my focus, uh, has, has been, uh, over the last few uh, months in really, uh, honing my skills, becoming a better virtual instructor, uh, because I see that that's a skill that's, that's needed right now. Yeah. So, uh, I have a lot of expertise in delivering, um, training over, over the internet, virtual, uh, platforms using, uh, such platforms as WebEx and, and, uh, zoom and whatnot. So mm-hmm. virtual trainings, um, uh, I do a lot of producing of sessions too. So I don't just train, but I help others to have a good, uh, productive session by producing and a producer really, really does the background work that yeah. allows, it, it allows the instructor to flow. The right? non-glamorous so work. Right. Yeah. You're taking care of the chat. You're taking care of questions that people might have. You're helping people get on uh, that are part of the uh, the instruction and whatnot. So, you know, I, I do that. Um, and that's that's my daily work. Uh, that's been my daily work for the last few months. Um, of course, I, I have always been a, a musician. Um, and I say that I'm a practicing musician because I do a lot of practice. Not, sometimes not enough. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But like I think doing, that I think that even when you look at doctors, it's still called a practice because there's always new technology, there's always new instruments, there's always new notes. So you're you're never going to be perfect, you know. That's true. That's true. Um, but one of the one of the things that really um, I have enjoyed um, and really want to take more time to do is writing. I yeah. am. I've actually I'm, I'm actually in the process of writing for now. The first one that I, I, I am I've started and I've got more chapters on this one. It's called the DNA of Jazz. All right. Okay. So um, it deals um, actually with a, uh, a a young man who becomes a professor at a university, um, actually in Virginia, uh, okay. and he uh, he comes up with uh, he's a jazz musician from his early years and. He is. He comes up with a plan to try and take samples of DNA of previous jazz musicians and actually basically yeah. clone jazz musicians. That's awesome, right? It's, <laughs> a, it's a take on a, on a science fiction theme that, that exists, you know, in, in science and science fiction. Um, but from there, I um, I expanded the window to. Um, and, and all of these characters that I've built are kind of replicas of me and some of the things that I've wanted to do with my life. Um, so the second book is, uh, it, it deals with a, uh, a Secret Service agent, um, a young man who grew up wanting to be a Secret Service agent. Um, and uh, he, he becomes one, but he becomes injured in the process. And so what happens uh, he's forced to retire from the service and he becomes, he, he's invited to, to try out this teaching program, this program that would actually teach inner city youth to try and, um, help them. Uh, and he does so 
and it, it he uses the history of his family, which is what this program is about, what this session is about. He uses the origin of his family to uh, show the young people about courage uh, and what African-American soldiers had to go through to obtain the liberties that we have today. Yeah. So um, it's a, it's a, it's a real good book. Um, you How have far to along it. are you in it? I've got, I've got literally, I'm working on the third chapter of that one. Jeez, third boy, chapter. Yeah. Of that. I've got about five chapters of the DNA of jazz. Um, I've, I've got a third chapter, three chapters of uh, what this is called Washington from Washington with love. Uh, and you have to kind of read the introductions and I can send them to you. Yeah, you definitely. That would be awesome. It's so funny yeah. because I was actually talking to Angel the other day about writing a book and I was telling her, I was like, I think I'm going to write a book. And I, I was thinking about two books, actually one more of a realistic and one more of a kind of a, uh, um, fantasy, if you will. But I was, I was just thinking about it. It's so crazy. So my, uh, my third, uh, novel is, is really about a, um, and this is an interesting thing. He's a, it's a paralegal. It's this gentleman's a paralegal. He, he moves from Pennsylvania to New York to become a paralegal in a big city law firm. He becomes sexually harassed by his boss and, and some other things going on in his life. But all of a sudden, one of his uncles, who was also an attorney, um, had retired to the Keys in Florida. And he passes away and he leaves his estate to this gentleman, this young man. And so now he has to make a decision. Does he stay in New York where, you know, there's a lot of things that he likes about New York city, but then there's a lot of things that he doesn't like about New York, but he goes down to visit, um, this estate that his uncle has left him and realizes, um, there's a boat there and he, Really becomes. Well, look, don't give away the story. I want to read one. this. <laughs> I okay. want to read this. Yeah. Right. I was well, going to say, you're okay. giving away a lot. You're giving, a, you're giving an audio book away, man. Save some for the chapters. <laughs> yeah, all I right. Wanna, okay. I want to read these. <laughs> so, that, that sounds right. awesome. So, the final, the final book, and this is this has actually become my favorite um, uh, because this, uh, this one is about an anthropologist, a gentleman who's an anthropologist. And it ties into the first book. He ends up teaching at the school where the uh, professor who was in the first book actually is now the head of the science department. And that's dope. It, so it connects them together. But yeah. his whole thing is, you know, anthropology was actually um, used negatively to make black people seem like we were inferior. It actually birthed what was called the eugenics movement, which which actually um, kind of gave uh, it kind of gave Hitler and Nazi Germany the the, the tools to eliminate certain people from society. Uh, if you know anything about what happened during Nazi Germany, they didn't just try to eradicate the Jews. They tried to eradicate the gypsies. 
They tried to eradicate people who were retarded, people who, who were lame. The whole eugenics movement was about creating this race of people that was alpha, uh, perf- yeah, perfect, and eliminate people who had any flaws. And so um, he, he, he really goes to anth- about anthropology like that. That's on a deeper level than I've heard, but that's, I mean, that also sounds interesting. What, I, what I've learned, and this is advice to you if, you, if you're going to write a book, it takes a lot of research. It takes a lot of time. Uh, but anyway, imagine. so those, those are the books. Um, and, you know, I, I enjoy doing that. I enjoy writing. I've, uh, you know, uh, been doing it for about three years now. Uh, not as long as my music, but it, 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 to me, it's just something that relaxes me. Um, but yeah. those are the things that I've got going on. Um, and as far as my nonprofit, I was talking to somebody who's an expert in nonprofits and getting some uh, groundwork. I've been taking some uh, classes with the um, uh, United States Immigration uh, and Naturalization Service. They have free classes that you can take on how to get your um, nonprofit started to help train people to um, pass the citizenship course. So that's that's going to be my focus um, in the next year or so. I feel right now the atmosphere is changing because they haven't had classes in over a year. Now mm. they're actually starting to have online classes. And um, I feel that the atmosphere is changing because hopefully the current administration um, will will kind of either become a little bit more um, uh, favorable towards immigration because we're all immigrants, let's face it. We all come from immigrants unless we're Native American. Um, or um, a new administration will, will um, at least um, become, um, you know, uh, it will put more money into immigration um, and one of the things that I want to point out when I when I was taking the course is there's over 8 million people in the United States today that need their citizenship. Yeah. And there's only about, educationally, there's only about enough classes to help about a million to a million and a half. So there is a great That's need. That's yearly? Yes, currently right now, currently right now. There's only enough education and educational, free educational resources and whatnot for um, to help about a million of those immigrants. Oh. Um, so there's a, a lot of people that want to become citizens. And that's a lot States. of opportunity for growth for you yeah. if you have if this takes off the way that you you know hope it will. You know right. that's good. Well, I hope in 2021 to to go uh, get more into it. As you can see, 2020 is just about shop, and we're about uh-huh. three months out of this thing. And it's just really gonna, you know, kind of gotten to the point where, you know, you can't, you know, everybody was excited about 2020. 2020, you know, 2020 is coming and it's good, it's great. Oh, yeah, you know, it's a new decade. It's a new this, it's a new that. And then it just went, it just fizzled, dude. And it just fizzled. And we are now in, in the back end of this fizzle. And I don't know if it's going to end, uh, you know, with a bang or what. But, you know, we hope that everybody stays safe. That's the main thing. Stay safe and, and does what we have to do. Um, so that's that's a little bit about me. I mean, I, I'm, you know, I don't brag. I, I just tell you what I'm doing, you know, 
I like the yeah. I mean, the books, I are, I'm excited about those books. I didn't know that you were writing those, so it's definitely, I'm, I'm looking forward to those. What I'll do is I'll send you the intros in all of them so you kind of get an idea. But yeah, I'm a lifelong learner, and that's that's really what I want to do. Is I want to help people to become lifelong learners because it's helped you me. Know, you know, you need to listen to Tim Ferriss. He talks about learning. Like this guy, I'm telling you, he's like an Olympic swimmer. He's an archer. I mean, he's a cook. He's a ballroom dancer. He he does literally everything. They call this man the human guinea pig because there's nothing that he doesn't do. And I re- he plays instruments. He does jujitsu. He does Muay Thai. He boxes. I mean, he literally does. He tries his hand at everything. So yeah. I, I think that you would really like. He has a book called The 4-Hour Work Week. I think that you should listen to that. I mean, I think it's you'll like it. You'll like it, but definitely okay. finish Extreme Ownership first because that's really yeah. I, I got to get through that. I'm on chapter five, so yeah, um, headed to chapter six. So it's it's been it's been a good listen so yes. far, and I hope to get a get a paperback so I can mark it up and get a I hard know. copy so maybe I can get him to sign it. Exactly. So, what was life like as you know a child growing up for you? dad what were the streets well, like uh, with a car you know with the streets is crowded with cars you know just what was what was life like that's a good that's a good question um it has changed tremendously the number of cars on the road just just focusing on that i mean and and this is why you know academias become so diverse because people study all kinds of crazy stuff but, I mean, when you just look at the, the increase in the number of automobiles on the road and the number of drivers on the road, it is actually, it's, it's become crazy wild. I grew up in a small town in Pennsylvania, in central Pennsylvania, and uh, there was about 50,000 people in that town. I think the population has probably doubled by now. Mm-hmm. But um, at, at having gone back there uh, in the last two years, I was I was I was really surprised at how many people are driving, and how it's just very busy. Um, you know, that's one of the things that makes Americans American is the freedoms that we enjoy, uh, the freedom to travel. Um, you can take your car and you can drive all over the country, and nobody's going to stop you. Yeah. you can go from one state to another, and there's no laws. That prevent it as long as you don't break the, the driving, you know, the uh, the, be- the motor vehicle codes and whatnot. So, but yeah, I mean, it has changed tremendously. Um, when I was a kid, you know, cars were all old. You, if you saw somebody with a Mercedes Benz or even a BMW, in fact, they were even more rare. But a Mercedes Benz, they were like rich, right? Yeah. They were rich. They were doctors. They were flexing. <laughs> yeah, they weren't. They weren't. You know, the, the people you see here in Atlanta, you know, everybody's got a Mercedes Benz. You know, some of them are old, some of them are new, but, you know, that doesn't mean you're a doctor, you know. You yeah. can just be a technician. Literally, I've seen, I went to, I was uh, working, when I was working for the IBM Corporation, I, I went to a school to deliver some, um, some you know, practical uh, help in the classroom we were doing a classroom uh gig and uh the janitor was driving a benz i mean literally the janitor of the freaking school was driving a benz so i mean this this is just this is the way people live here um 
but yeah, so when I was growing up, you know, you had a Ford, you had a Chevy. If you if you had money, you had a Lincoln, right? Uh, and if you had real money, you had a Benz. Uh, literally, yeah, you had a Lincoln or a Cadillac if you had real money. But other than that, people drove station wagons. You know, yeah. um, there weren't there were there weren't there weren't as many pickup trucks as there are now. Pickup trucks weren't that popular. You know, yeah. uh, people had them, but they weren't like they are here. I mean, there's like every fifth I just truck saw one that a, was lifted like 30 inches oh off God, the dude. ground. It was ridiculous. I mean, how do you get in those things, right? You got a guy literally jumped out. He literally jumped out. I'm pretty sure he hurt both of his ankles when he dropped down. <laughs> it was ridiculous. And you know, not yeah. to like, not to make this too political, but I think part of the uptick in trucks is that like, a lot of people have been sold on buying trucks, just like a lot of people have been sold on buying sneakers. You know what I mean? It's not even something that you need. It's just, well, this person has one and I want one. And so that's kind of started a chain reaction because most of the people I see driving trucks are not doing any job that, that requires, requires them truck. to have a truck <laughs> right. because they're decked out. The there's no way you're putting lumber in the back of that decked out truck. There's exactly. no way. Exactly. Yeah. Your your sister was getting her um, her vehicle uh, repaired under warranty. That Ford Focus needs some work, right? Um, and they've already addressed that. But anyway, the only thing they had to give her for a rental was an F one fifty. She told me, yeah, yeah, yeah she dude, told that. dude, this truck had more gadgets, whistles. I mean, moonroof. Uh, power sliding back window it had four doors it was a it was like a cadillac dude it was a freaking cadillac that was seven feet seven feet tall it was, <laughs> yeah. it was amazing I, yeah. I i was like and of course i let her drive my car and i drove it because i'm like you're not going to drive this back and forth mm-hmm. to work so but i mean it, it i it, it drove smooth i mean yeah i see why people buy them but the problem is that we've got an environment that needs to be looked at and we can't keep buying these gasoline powered vehicles when Tesla's um, and some of these other electric vehicles just do, they do the same thing. They get us to the same place, but they get us there without the carbon emissions, um, without ruining the environment. And honestly, they're quiet. You know, I mean, what was, I what was a million other things. What was your first car actually? Now that we bring that up. My first car. And how much was well, it? Okay, so so now I'm gonna um, I'm gonna I'm gonna basically put myself on the end the other end of this. Um, my first car was actually a truck. <laughs> <laughs> it was a Blazer. All right, so let me explain what happened. Um, my stepfather um, passed away, um, and. My first driving car, the car that I drove, was his car. He had a Gran Torino. So I drove that a little bit, maybe a couple weeks. Um, But apparently it went back to whoever he was buying it from. Ford Gran Torino. Nice car. Um, But uh, my mom, because I was going to school and I was in the National Guard, she thought that I needed something with four-wheel drive so I could get through the snow because Pennsylvania winters are hard. So she, she went out and um, bought a blazer. And she, my mom never drew. She never drove. She never had her license. 
if she did, it was way before she she had me. Um, so she never had her license. So um, she went out and bought a blazer. I had a, a, a Chevy blazer, full-size Chevy blazer, not the minis, the full-size one, the big one. Um, kind of like OJ's vehicle when it was a Chevy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, the so I, yeah, yeah, right. The so new like Broncos, Broncos are awesome, full by the way. I just want to put that out. Oh, yeah, the yeah, new man. ones, oh, man, yeah. I'm really almost sold on those, but, you know, that's another story. Um, but, yeah, so I had that. I think she paid five grand for it. Um, I, of course, drove it back and forth to my guard duty. Um, my first year, uh, first semester in college, uh, when I went back to um, college, was in Keysport, Pennsylvania. So it was over near Pittsburgh. And so I had to drive over there and uh, back and forth to my guard drills once a month. And so that's the reason she bought it. She bought it to, you know, make sure I was protected, make sure I, I didn't get stuck. I, I hardly ever used a four-wheel drive. The funny thing about it is once I got up to, um, I got up to uh, State um, University Park, um, the transmission started acting funny. And so I took it to a dealership. I took it to a dealership and... Um, I told the guy, you know, I didn't want to trade it. I need something smaller because I knew the thing was screwed up, dude. It was really screwed up. So the guy's son gets in the thing with me and he's like, oh, let's take it for a test drive. You know, da, da, da. so I'm driving the thing. He's like, okay, sounds good. So he's like, well, what do you have to see in the lot? You know, and I saw this Ford Fiesta, right? The blue Ford Fiesta. This four is the floor. It, yeah, it's four in the floor and it's like literally just this little gas economy vehicle. And this guy thinks, oh, I'm getting over on this dude. He's just an knucklehead. He's, he's going to give me this blazer for this dude. He traded it up. I drove off with this thing, and, you know, he had a, a vehicle <laughs> with a bad transmission that he had to replace. So, you know, right. and, and a couple of years later, I ran into him. He said, you know that vehicle you had a bad transmission? I'm like, really? <laughs> Did it now? Yeah, dude. I was a college student. I didn't care. I just needed a beer. <laughs> All right. So, and you're a car dealer, so you know how to get it fixed, bro. That's right. your problem. Exactly. I mean, you probably got off on, got cool. over on three people that day. So, you yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Used car dealer. Come on. Yeah. So, anyway, you know that. But the real, technically, my first car was the Ford Fiesta, and I drove that thing everywhere. I, uh, I it lasted me literally through my. Through my junior year into my senior year in college, so what it was basically from, from my sophomore year to my uh, junior year, I, I studied education. After mm -hmm. after going to, I changed my majors a couple times. I started out as pre law, um, and then um, I uh, I wanted to be uh, a, an education major in sciences, um, but uh, chemistry uh, told me that you're not going to be a science teacher. So uh, <laughs> I decided after taking a chemistry course uh, that it wasn't for me. Um, so um, I went back to um, uh, just regular education and social studies, uh, which, you know, I've always been a socially conscious person uh, yeah. being raised in a town where, um, well, just to kind of give you an idea, in my high school, there were a thousand people in the graduating class and there was only about eight of us African-American Black Americans. So, and you know, like, I've always had to be socially conscious. I was going to say, so how how was the 
the racial tension coming up because I'm, I mean I know you weren't around with the Martin Luther King walks and things like that, but I want like was it as bad as it is nowadays? Because I feel like a lot of the problem nowadays is we have instant access to tap right back into that just hatred feed that is consistently going. Whenever we want to tap into it, we can tap into it with social media. So I think exactly it's just bad because it's always bad. As soon as you turn it on, it's bad. And no matter if you're having a good day, you turn something on, you see something turns your stomach and it's bad. And it's just constantly in our mind. So I'm not saying that it's any better, any worse. I I mean, how do you, how do you feel about it? Because I honestly feel like the news wasn't 100% everywhere you turned and you, you know, it wasn't in your face all the time. So you could forget about it for maybe a day or two. You can't anymore. There were episodes in my hometown of police brutality. And and this is a small town. This is a small town, central Pennsylvania. Like I said, 50,000 people, maybe 2,000 of us were black Americans. But I remember clearly one incident, one lady that I attended church with, her son, died at the hands of police. They said he hung himself in the jail. And this woman knew her son wouldn't have done that. Yeah. So, and that, that was actually a very big thing. But there was no voice really for the black community. Um, we didn't have a, a, a Dr. King or John Lewis um, or Jesse Jackson, you know, wouldn't even think of probably coming to our town for the small amount of people that were there that were mm-hmm. African-Americans. So things kind of get swept under the rug, um, to use a cliche, but literally that's what happened. Uh, Terry's death was a sad thing, um, but, um, you know, it, it, it was kept hush-hush. And even when I, people I knew tried to get involved, it was you shut up, and that's all there is to it. You know, you know. And so racism has been subtle in some places, um, sometimes subtle, sometimes non-subtle. Um, but it was always there, right? It, it's always been there. As a black American, you know, I know, we all know that yeah. we've run into racism. So it it exists. Not all whites are bad. Not all Asians are bad. Not Mm -hmm. all Jews are bad. Not all blacks are bad. But there are black people that are bad. There are bad people, right? There are bad people in every race. And sometimes it's based on how they were raised. Sometimes it's how they were raised. They were just raised to hate. Uh, You know, and, you know, we've got to get past the fact that you know, our skin is a different color and we have different features because all of us are a mixture and we're all human and we all have the same blood. Um, you know, if you need a blood transfusion, anybody that's a human being can give it. You're not going to get yeah. a blood transfusion from a monkey. It doesn't work that way. You're not going to get a blood trans- transfusion from your dog. Your dog is your friend, but he cannot or she cannot give you a blood transfusion. 
Yeah. You can only get that from a human and being, another human being. That that's because it's so fun. I have I have a lot of people that I know. I have friends, you know, a family, but some some of my best friends are not the same color as me, and it's so funny because you'll come across those people who are, I guess, one track minded, and they see us mm-hmm. walking through the mall, like my friend Josh, right. Caucasian. Tony's Mexican, right. African American. He's dating right. a white girl. Josh is dating a black girl. Like, so we don't care. We're just walking through the mall. We're having a good time. We're loud. You know, we're we're young, right? Whatever. Mm-hmm. And they just the stares. It's just hilarious because oh, yeah. any one of us can just look at you like you're stupid. The Mexican, the white guy, the white girl, the black girl, like the black mm-hmm. guy. You're just yeah. dumb. Like, there's no there's no boundaries. And I talk about it all the time on this podcast. Just which is the very reason I created this podcast to gain perspective. Like somebody listening to this might not think about, you know, Pennsylvania and, you know, the ratio of black versus white and all this. They might not think about it, but when they think about it, maybe next time they, it it just chips away at that little racist armor or buildup that they have. And they might not even know they have it until they, you know, something flares up. You never know, but it's just about taking yourself out of your current situation putting yourself in someone else's shoes and trying to learn from it. But the friends that I have, man, it's, I wouldn't trade it for the world. And we joke about racism all the time because oh, same with my friends. I, I, I tr- and I know that, I know that. And th- for me, this is what I believe when you talk about Dr. King and the things that he did, and I don't want this to come off the wrong way, but he did those things so we could forget about racism like when you think about it it i don't i don't want to forget the things that we did to get where we are but let's just forget about let's just be normal people let's walk into a place and talk to each other like humans that's what it was for it's not so you can always be remembering oh you know what white guy we marched and we have rights now i don't care josh lives with me there's you talk about i mean come on there there's it's it's just ridiculous, man. But I don't even want to. I don't want to turn this whole thing into no, a race, no, no. race, I, racial, no. you know, podcast. But I, I mean, that's that's who we are. That's we always go back to it just because it's what we do. But I feel like progression is necessary, and I like to think that when, every time I go out with my friends, my group of friends, we're making a difference. That yeah. because mm-hmm. we are. I want you to see that. Hey, we can get together. We can be in a car and we can be singing songs. We can be out by the pool. We can we can be everywhere and it doesn't matter. It chips away at that. It, it desensitizes people who might be one track minded to, you know, the inevitability of us all getting together eventually. But you know, it it might take um, several more generations until yeah. you know this the 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 old guard is eradicated. Um, there's always going to be people like this. I mean, you know, when I was student teaching, I clearly remember um, student teaching now, and this was down near Philadelphia. It was a uh, town of Westchester, Pennsylvania. And uh, I was lecturing one day and walking around the classroom, as I normally do. I don't like to stand. I I walk. And there was one white, white boy that was literally drawing a black person hanging from a tree and writing KKK on his paper. And he did it because he thought he knew I was looking, you know, and I just ignored him. 
You know, I could have, if I had been, if it had been my classroom, I would have asked him to step up and draw it on the board and explain what he was talking about <laughs> and explain the reasons. I would have embarrassed the hell out of him. Yeah. But I didn't do that because it wasn't my classroom. I was just a student teacher. But, you know, this is just, these people have been bred ignorance. They've been fed ignorance. Yeah. And ignorance is something that, you know, you can live with all your life. I mean, yeah. there are people and that their whole existence is in front of the TV drinking beers. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You know? And I think and it's when important sports to, is out, they have nothing to do. Yeah. But they, they have now it's time to practice everything they've been putting in. I think it's important to point this out. Every single behavioral attribute is taught. There's so many videos that people are posting just to help further the agenda of just love and humanity. There's a little black guy, little black boys run up to a little white boy. They're hugging. They don't know the difference between their skin, and they're not going to know that until they're taught it. And so, and let me tell you, let me tell you on that note, as I grew up in my neighborhood, I was the only black child in that neighborhood, and so I had. Uh, a friend who was an Irish Catholic. I had a friend who was a Jew. I had a friend who was German uh, and a Protestant. Uh, you know, and we got along as as young children. But as we grew up and we grew into our teen years, people started start to have other funny. friends. Right. They start to have other friends that... You know, and I had an Italian friend too. That's a, uh, and, and my Italian friend, he was he was he was the coolest because we would stay overnight at his house. His mom was cool. His sisters were cool. In fact, I liked his sisters; they were nice. Um, <laughs> and that's all I'm going to say. But anyway, um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. I mean, literally, they. You know, as you grow older and you get exposed to more people. Yeah. then that's when things start to change. But as a, as a child, a child doesn't know the difference between black, white, yellow, brown, exactly. nothing. And if you, you know. tell, if you tell, and I used this before, I'm going to make sure I say it the right way, but if you tell a child that the sky is red, that does not discredit red. Blue just becomes red. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And now mm -hmm. red is just this void. So now what's red? It's whatever else you tell them. It, it, the, 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 that's, that's what you have to understand. And that's why, like, obviously I'm about to be a father. And I take that seriously. I'm not going to... I'm going to make sure everything that I do, I think about how it's looked at through her eyes. I want her to have... To be able to look up to me and have a great sense of, man, that's my father. You know, I'm proud. I have a good role model. I want to get her into jujitsu immediately. I want to teach her about the stock market immediately. I want her to, to be able to enjoy the things in life that I'm enjoying now at a younger age. You know, you give mm -hmm. someone mm -hmm. like me all this information at 17, tch, come on, you know. It's just, it's different. But we talk about, you know, friends and who you spend your time with and what you put in is what you're going to get out. Who were, who was, who were the people you rolled with, Dad, when you were coming up? Who were your best friends coming up? Who were the people that helped shape and mold 
the you that you are today? Well, you know, like I said, I had my neighborhood people that I ran with. And from from them, we got into trouble. We did a lot of crazy stuff. We would get... One of the things I remember most is... It, don't incriminate yourself, by the way. No, no, no I can't. I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. All right. So we we did a lot of crazy stuff. But it was all, I think that we, we grew up in a generation. This was the 70s. And so Vietnam was ended or ending. And that's all we saw on TV in the evening. 1975 was when Vietnam officially ended. And so, you know, from the time you're 10, 11 years old, um, I was five when Dr. King was assassinated, Robert Kennedy was assassinated. And these things I saw on TV. I mean, mm. you know, I saw my mom crying. I saw my grandmother crying because they shot Dr. King and killed him and Robert Kennedy and killed him. Um, and, you know, the, the riots, the, you know, Vietnam every night, that's what the news brought every night. And so you grew up with this military mindset. And a number of the people that I grew up with um, went into the army, uh, literally. In fact, over half of the people I grew up with did did time in the army. Um, mm. my, my the guy who lived across the street from me, Ray, um, he 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 went in the army, and you know he spent enough time in there. I mean, you know, he had a family back home and a little boy, but he went in the army because that was that was what was available to us back then. Um, and we grew up playing those kind of things. Now we would get, here's the thing. We would go to, there was a, a Maytag store, um, a couple blocks away and we would get the old refrigerator boxes, right? <laughs> <laughs> so we would take the, cause they didn't want them. They set them outside. They get the old refrigerator boxes and that would be our tank. So we get two or three guys in a refrigerator box and they'd roll down the hill in this tank, you know, and, and then we would throw dirt clods at each other, and 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 then if you picked up if you picked up a handful of uh, pebbles and you threw them, that was the machine gun. Bah, 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 bah. <laughs> I mean, you know, we would spend hours out in this in this place right behind my house called the old field, and we would throw things at each other and get dirt all over each other, and you know, it, it was just you know that's the kind of stuff we did. That, and then there was a baseball field at the top of the hill. Um, and some of you, I think you guys went with me. You saw kind of gospel hill. Yeah. It looks like it, you know, but that baseball field, man, I'm telling you, there were like many world series played out. In, I know. Man. <laughs> I just think right. of Deer Lake Park, and, you know, yeah. yeah. Sandlot. And, right. And that's why I took you guys because that's the way I learned how to play baseball, man. And I'm, yeah, we'd spend all day at that place playing baseball. I believe and it. And then, um, and then in, in the winter, we would play football, right? And the best time was when the snow really fell, and it was, and and it was a it was right before Sunday. It had to be before Sunday because the Catholic Church had a big parking lot. I mean, a huge parking lot, right? And we would we would tramp all the snow down, man, and we would have the snowball to beat the snowball right there in that <laughs> parking lot every winter, right? But we would even play when it wasn't, you know. They had a basketball court down there. We'd play real basketball. But exactly. the football games were the best because I could, with with my um, uh, 
African American jeans, I could outrun most of them. <laughs> so I was I was always the guy with the running with the ball, man, and I was always making the touchdown. So I had a I had a number twenty two jersey that I would wear, and it was like Mercury Morris on the Miami Dolphins. He was my guy, man. I was Mercury Morris <laughs> every every Sunday. So it was a good run up with the white guys because I could I could outrun them. So <laughs> oh my god, it was, it was what? Cool. So it was cool. that's a sound you're going, right there. You're, you're going exactly right. You're going, uh, you got the football, you're running into the end zone. What is the song playing in your head? What is, what is the song of your generation that you say, you know, that when I hear that song, it takes me Dude. back. If you can Dude, listen, I was looking when, yeah, when you, when you asked me about, you know, that, I mean, the songs of the seventies, you got to listen to, I mean, you can listen to I know uh, what they, the soundtracks that they make now for the seventies songs. You know what they call them? They call them Yacht Rock. Hmm. Yacht Rock. The Eagles, right? That's that's all you listen to. I I love it, though. I love Steely Dan. Steely Dan, dude. I mean, it's just just mellowed out cool music because, like, the 60s and all the revolution's over, and now it's time to chill, right? Yeah. And then, you know, we got into all the love music, right? All the love music. But I did have to look some of that stuff up, man, because there was so much, there was so much music. Um, but I, I came up with a few here. Um, By the way, Michael you say Jackson. Those. Michael Jackson was was you know definitely one of one of definitely. one of the you know uh, one of the songs uh, one of the songsters. Uh, I loved Cool in the Gang. Cool in the Gang okay. was like they were the they were this they, they were just the they were the the beat. The beat of the seventies, cool in the gang. So anything cool in the gang did, you know, ladies' night. Oh yes, it's ladies' night, and the feeling's right. Yeah. Oh, it's too hot, too hot, lady. So, and I loved cool in the gang because of the bass. And then, of course, Earth, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Earth, Wind, and Fire. Of course, the greatest, the greatest. I mean, they could sing to the, you know, I mean, just. I mean, so all of that, Stevie Wonder, all of his songs, all of his music, um, you know, there was there was enough music out there. But all that yacht rock, I like Billy Joel. I, I mean, I was I my mother raised me to be uh, a lover of music. She had she had classical music. Yeah. Um, she le- listened to a lot of classical music. She listened to uh, piano music, uh, yeah. and I knew people's names by you know just by seeing all these album collections that she had yeah of course my first uh, my mother turned me on to my first santana album it was my mm. mother that turned me yeah. on to santana dude santana abraxas and i still listen to that album to today mm-hmm. because it's the, one of the best santana albums ever it was one of his first albums i believe it was his first album it's it's yeah. just so bad black magic woman oh you come you know, I, um, oh, that's on that one. wow. Oh, yes. Wow. I was going to say, that's how far back it goes. This, li- is, this is like, um, he does, he does a song on there. That's a tribute, uh, to Toussaint Leoverture, who was the, um, the, the founder of the Haitian revolution. Um, mm. and it's, it's a powerful song. It's, it, there's no words to it, but you've got to listen to it. It's I know. And he, he played song. with such passion that you could hear it through the guitar, but, I was just Santana's gonna say, my I listen to. He's my brother, to, man. He's my blood brother. I listen. I to love Santana so much music, 
And I think that's one of the main reasons why, Jay, we're so creative because we have never, ever been categorized in one section. We're all over the know. place with yeah. our music, with our genre of movies, mm-hmm. with our comedy, with everything. And I feel like yeah. I was in Second and Charles the other day, and I actually am in the process of buying a vinyl record player. They have some awesome. there. And then I'm just going to start buying. I saw Frank Sinatra like some of his greatest hits about maybe 40 tracks for like $39. So I'm about to dude. as soon as I get in the house, man, you're going to be hearing everything from Adele to Sinatra to George Benson, breezy, like the, dude, dude, everything. I was just, I was just listening to Benson I got George Benson on vinyl. Right. Exactly. I, I, you weekend in LA. Exactly. Weekend That's what I got. That, 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 I was listening to that today. That that's is, crazy. That's the best George Benson live album ever. I know. Ever. That's the one I he have. He's on point with that thing. I know. And I, I love that. I love um, the greatest love of all. Um, uh-huh. I, yeah. uh, I love that song. When you, you and Mom first it. played that, I was like, "That's who I want to be." Like for mm-hmm. when I when I first heard Breezy, I was like, "What the heck was mm-hmm. that?" Play that again. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely George, love. It. I just remember. Uh, you remember we were on the way to. Man. We were on the way to Maryland, I think. Yes, and we were yeah, listening to. It. You were listening to that. We were listening to freaking Richard. Uh, what is his name? Oh my God, Dave Chappelle always messed with him. Rick James. Rick James, man. Rick James. The music oh, yeah. with Bella oh, yeah. Fleck. Oh, yeah. You know. All this uh, music yeah. Bella, we were Bella, listening yeah, to. We, we listening to all that. That's why like, I'll yeah. get in the car and I'll listen to something. And my wife is like, what are you listening to? And I'm like, look, I could listen to anything on the radio and appreciate it. Dude. Dude. I mean, you know, and. Except hip hop nowadays because it's garbage. Yeah, I, I, I can't. I can't deal with awesome some though. stuff. There's, 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 so, there's some stuff I can't deal with. There's some country music I can't deal with. Um, you know, but there's some country music that's good. You know, Lionel Richie sings a lot of country songs. He wrote a lot of the songs that Kenny Rogers sang in the seventies. Lionel Richie was the was the was the writer of those songs. Um and, and some of them are very good. They're very good tunes, the words are good. Um but yeah, I mean my mother gave me that foundation of eclectic eclecticness in, in music and I I, yeah. I love all kinds of music, dude. It's, I, I um you know it's crazy that like you spend all this time, you spend all this time getting technology advanced, 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 and then something so simple as a vinyl record makes so many people want to buy it just because it's a taste of the past. And that actually brings up yeah. a question that I was going to ask you: Is there anything that we have nowadays that you were like, "There's no way in my lifetime I'll be able to see them do X or come up with X or I can't believe they're really doing this." Is there anything like that that you can think of that just kind of that just some sort of technology, whether it be an app or whatever, that just kind of blows your mind like, wow, this is crazy? Well, I mean, you, you got to realize when I was raised in, in the 70s and 80s, uh, there were no cell phones. Hmm. So if you went somewhere, you gave somebody the number where you'd be and they'd call you. That's that's all there was to it. Nobody you, you didn't have this instant messaging instant this instant that it didn't exist unless you had you know unless you were a wealthy businessman you didn't have a cell phone 
And even up until really, honestly, this is really the early 2000s, we didn't have two th- we didn't have cell phones. We just did not have them. Yeah. And, and so you, you guys are raised in a time where you were still young and they were just, they were kind of almost coming up with you as your age. You, you Cell phones were being born around the time when you were coming, you yeah. know, they pretty much reached their peak too, because what else can you add to a damn cell phone? It's got everything yeah, on it and, except a knife. And, and now Nothing it's not cold. it's not a phone anymore, right? It's a freaking computer that allows you to do anything you need to do. I mean, you can make dinner reservations, you know, you can order your dinner and have it delivered on your phone. Yeah. Right? You can make I mean, a podcast, you, know, you play can music, make a show, change you can the lighting in the room. room. Exactly, <laughs> change the lighting. Do. I mean, you can control everything. I you know, so when I grew up. <laughs> They were Dick Tracy. Dick Tracy had a watch, right? The Dick Tracy cartoon uh, in the comics. Uh, Dick Tracy had a watch, and everybody thought, "Hey, that's real cool." Dick Tracy talking on his watch. Most people didn't think that would ever happen in their lifetime. It is. It is now made possible by Apple, Samsung, and all those other I companies. I start my crazy. car every morning with my Apple Watch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And that's one of the reasons I got into a lot of James Bond because he was into all this. They, they exactly. you know, Q always, Q the quartermaster always had some real cool technology, like exactly. you know, a magnet watch that could pull a car into you or something like that, or yeah. you know, a gun that would shoot out of you know your your uh, wrist and stuff like this, you know. And and so that some of that was like you know I could see it, you know, because you could see it, you could say, hey, you could do something like that. But, you know, I mean, the, the stuff nowadays, dude, is just, um, it, it's amazing. It's, it's freaking amazing. It uh, definitely is. Um, and it's, it's, it's going to get, with 5G, it's going to get more immersive. Um, in fact, the one book, and for, for sake of not revealing the whole thing, but the one book that I have deals with that whole technology of, the immersive world and going back into time in an immersive world. If you were, I don't know if you remember a Star Trek, um, I believe it was the Star Trek, the next generation with John Luke Picard. Um, they had the holodeck mm-hmm. and they would go back, you know, if they needed to just relax and chill, they, you know, go off, you know, they go off duty and they would go into the holodeck and they would experience something historical or something, you know, they go back and that's kind of what is in one of my books, that, that kind of thing. But that technology is becoming very real. They're literally reproducing singers uh, on stage live as a hologram yes. singing their person. song. So yeah, they if did you, Tupac a few years ago at like Coachella. Exactly. Um, if, if you not, see, go ahead. Yeah. Not to interrupt, but, um, you, you were talking about um, bringing things to life like with um, holograms and things like that. I think another thing that's very true is um, VR, where we are with VR. We can re- literally put people in situations and in scenes. Um, I had a friend that had VR, uh, VR headset. He had the Oculus Rift, and he was letting me play Spider-Man. And it was a very basic Spider-Man game. You know, there's no cars on the street. There was no people walking through the city. It was just your hands coming up as Spider-Man swinging. And I almost got motion sickness because 
falling feels so real. You look around and you look up and down and everything is right there. So that technology yeah. can be applied to things for educational purposes, uh, historical purposes. There's, there's a lot that, that can be done with that technology. And yeah, you exactly. can, you can recreate an entire, you know, the you know, entire fight, the bi- little bighorn battle, you know, and right. just be there. I, I, guess, exactly. I guarantee you, I guarantee you that's where the movie industry is eventually. Going. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. Because people are so thirsty for more and more and more and mm-hmm. more. Immersion. That, yes, that is going to be where it has to go. So, so actually, that brings me to another. Invest in any company. Invest in any company that's is going somewhere. Like that. Exactly. What I would actually say is find the people who are making the chips to some of the best VR equipment because those are the ones who are going to get the most of your money. Mm-hmm. Oh, do, do both. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah. The the question that I had is if you could change, if you could bring one piece of today's technology back to your time when you were young what would it be because if you say the cell phone you could you will probably ruin all of humanity by 2020 because cell phones are already <laughs> ruining everything so if you had the cell phone back in the 60s well, then well, you would we wouldn't I, be I, here. I, I i really don't think it's a cell phone as much as it's the internet uh, true because when you think about what the internet has done, um, it's a force for good, but it's also a very yeah. force for uh, for evil. And uh, guys like me that you know look at women in the J.C. Penney catalog—that's about <laughs> all we had. Uh, <laughs> the internet would have would have just totally destroyed and perverted most of the uh, human males in, in, in the world yeah. at that point. So yeah, that would have. That would have really, because um, it, it already has, I think, this generation, I hate to say it. but No, I mean, you're right, without a doubt. And you it, don't cherish it, and appreciate it's just what made it you would. So, you... Yeah, it's just made it so easy to you know, access stuff like that. Um, yeah. but I, I, think that's I, think, the, I think that's the, the rule, but not necessarily the exception. There are a lot of people that I feel like if they're guarding themselves, they're not prone to, like... You're you're using the internet as a tool and not as a distraction. Yeah, and yeah. It, and it, and it is. It's just like watching TV and watching you know binge watching. I mean, let's face it. Oh, absolutely. All that stuff is not good for you. Um, but I think that the, if I could change one thing, if I could bring one thing back, it it would be um, it would be the ability to look things up. Like like Google offers and like um, Wikipedia offers. Not that Wikipedia is always great, but yeah. to be able to have the access to the knowledge like that, you know, because when you're researching stuff, I mean, let's face it. Back in my day, you had to go to the library. There yeah. was just no other way. And if the library is closed, like on a Sunday or a Saturday, you know, then you're you're out of you you're out. You, there's nothing you can, <laughs> there's nothing you can do. Uh, so, you know, you didn't, I mean, unless you had a set of encyclopedias at home that was updated, you couldn't yeah. get the information. And so to be able, you know, as a, as a learner, as somebody that wants to learn and is hungry for knowledge, it's, it's a great tool to be able to research like that. And that would have made so much 
yeah. um, difference in a lot of people's lives. Te- technology is, I, I did a podcast on this sub, same subject with a couple friends of mine, and we were just talking about how technology has changed the human interaction. And it really has to the point to where, like, when COVID-19 happened and started, you know, we were a lot more prepared for it than a lot of people thought we were. We already had things like Instacart, DoorDash. Right. You know, we already had a way for people to shop online. We've been doing it for 20 years, Amazon. You know, like we've, we've, we were already, you know, used to this. And, you know, my friend Curtis made a very good point. He said, all COVID did was speed us up five years into the death of brick and mortar. That's all it did. Some of the oh, yeah. some of the businesses that I frequented every week are gone and they're never coming back. And I'm having customers asking me about, hey, is this brand and this brand? I'm like, ma'am, they went bankrupt. California Pizza Kitchen is gone. They're bankrupt. Are you serious? Yeah. I didn't know that. They're bankrupt. We threw all their they're cards still selling away. Their pizzas. Yeah, but the actual establishment is gone. Yeah, you're gonna get the pizzas, yeah, and it's probably gonna do exactly what they did with. Uh, Keebler and just go straight from the warehouse where they're making the pro- the bakery to our warehouses rather you know where they where they go from there so it's it's a process but you know technology is it's in such a way it's I will say this it's like skateboarding in the era of skateboards when they transition from the longboard to the mini board and I talk about this all the time but Tony Hawk said, you know what, if this is the way it's going, I'm going to be the best at it. And a lot of other people that were professional, they couldn't get with it and they got lost. And so if you're not on the technology train, you're, you're going to get left behind. It's very well, simple. Another They're, point to that. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I'm just saying that's, I mean, that's, 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 that's what it is. But Another point to that is just as, as that applies in film, it's just like, you know, puppeteers versus CGI. Exactly. You have to stay current because that next that next thing is right around the corner. That next uh, way of doing things is right around the corner. And if yep. you are not constantly in the in the know and adjusting to what is happening, you're eventually going to be trying to catch up with everybody else. Yeah, you'll be behind. But you know, I'm just where to do you... add to that, I was to add to that one real quick. I was just reading an article about Robin Hood. Right. Oh, they this changed the game. Your... They pissed a lot of people dude, off, too. Dude, right? They've, they've outsold E-Trade and Schwab. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, I mean, they're they're growing at 190-some percent right now. Uh, and they're continuing to grow. So, yeah. yeah. And yeah, I'm right. telling you right now, I, I tell you all about Robinhood all the time. And for those of you who are listening, Robinhood is the best application for learning how to trade on the stock market and making a lot of money on the stock market as well. If you have the time, download the Robinhood app today. Not sponsored by them. I'm just an avid user. I use it every single day. And I've made over 216% on the stock market since I started. I have over 20 different businesses that I'm investing in right now. And I'm making good money for myself and my family. So get into Robinhood. Um, More information on that is coming soon. I have a friend of mine who is he's traded over 1.5 million dollars in 2019 on the stock market and he'll wow. be on here to tell you Amazing. a little bit about that he is a pretty That's much amazing. a financial guru um he works for me part-time because he's bored at the house he makes his 10 15 thousand dollars a day then he comes and works <laughs> those are goals <laughs> yeah i've got to listen to that uh, episode yeah that's gonna be a very good one um 
so how do you think we're going to be affected by COVID moving forward? What do you think the next steps are? I don't think that the masks are going away anytime soon, but I did see a couple snippets of this new technology that people are putting directly in their nostrils, and it is supposed to filter the air that you breathe through your nostrils, and it pretty much negates the reason for you to wear a mask. Well, I'll tell you, I'm not a scientist, so I I don't know how... I mean, they're still trying to figure this thing out to me. I don't think they've got it totally figured out yet. Um, until there's a vaccine uh, or something that can prevent the spread of this thing, um, it's going to be difficult. Yeah. And these places um, are hoping, opening early, too. The, like, the, you guys, I think in Atlanta, y'all just opened up your movie theaters, right? Yeah, <laughs> last, last week on the 20. It's it's, it's dangerous. It's It's a dangerous game. And then for what money? For what money? What are you really making from you're going to have to have every other seat taken off? And then you're going to have people who are scared. So, yeah, people are going to be going, but you're going to be making half of the profit. And guess what? You can't scoop out popcorn now because you can't touch it unless you wear gloves and change every single time. So it's like all these variables. Is it really even worth opening it? I mean, what's the consequences? Let it die and never open back up? They're already heading that way, though. I mean, I, I have friends that work in live oh, without events, a doubt. Con- concert things and things like that. And to kind of go back to the point we made earlier about VR, there is conversation that's being had about virtual concerts. Um, and so I think that, that your friend was very right that said that, Tucker, that like all this does is accelerate the process of us relying on technology. Um, because forever, however long the shutdown actually lasts, and depending on you know how presidential administrations change, we may get a president that is all for locking down, and all that's going to do is going to require people to rely on technology that much more. Without a doubt, without a doubt, that's why you've got to have people that are future-proofing America. Because if you're not. You're going to fall behind. I mean, whoever's idea it is to, I'm not a politician, but whoever's idea it is to outsource so many of the things we need, like, I don't know, recycling, you're an idiot. But anyway, I digress. Well, let me, let me, let me kind, of, kind of throw some other wrenches in here. When, when you think about this on a global scale, when you look at China and you look at India, just two countries that have over a billion people. Um, For every 100, um, how can I say it? For every 100 100 gifted, intelligent kids in the United States, there's probably a thousand of those or more in China. And and do you know why? Because of their school system. Our school system is out of date and is not designed to help kids learn at all. It is designed... And so we're losing that race, money. and that's that's what I'm saying. Those people are going to be in charge of all these technologies. Mm-hmm. They're the ones creating something. all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're just going to be pretty much sitting back and hoping that we can exist in this new world that we've created. So... Yeah, it, it, it does behoove us to learn some basic skills um, and try to get into some more advanced skills because programming is going to be everything. You're going to have to program a lot of stuff. Exactly. Um, you know, coming up, you know, the, the, the people that don't understand how programming works, 
they they love technology. There's a lot of Apple phone users, iPhone users. Right. And all. They, 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 yeah, they know how to press buttons and load an app and everything, but they don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah, and that's the danger of this thing because everything the, the programmer can drop something into that program that monitors everything you're doing, and it can take your yeah. identity, your analytics, and, and they can sell things. them, and they can. Right. I was just talking to, you know, Stephen Curtis about Alexa and how it hears. And my wife and I are sitting on the couch and we're talking about the Black Eyed Peas. And this is before they dropped this new album and everything. This is a couple years ago. And we're talking about the Black Eyed Peas who are irrelevant. And all of a sudden we're watching our Amazon Prime account. And guess what goes under it? The Black Eyed Peas CD. And it's like the only reason for them to be relevant is because we just brought them up. And it just, I was like, okay. Fuck that unplugged it and I'm done. <laughs> I'm not yeah, let me tell you. I'm just not. Let me tell you. It, it's crazy. I was in a meeting with the vice president uh, of our company uh, and we were discussing how we were going to do um, possibly instead of mailing, giving people um, company branded stuff for a welcome gift, we were going to give maybe some Amazon cards or something like that as a gift, you know, $25, $50 Amazon card as a gift. We left that meeting and then within an hour, he sent an email out that said, Hey, I just got an email from somebody at Amazon that said, Hey, I'm part of the, uh, I'm part of the, uh, corporate, uh, marketing department. And we'd like to, we'd like to provide some welcome, uh, gift opportunities to you. <laughs> now we're sitting in a meeting. Everybody's got an Apple Watch on or whatnot. He's got his Apple Watch and Apple and iPhone. And I guarantee you, somebody's watch, somebody's phone did mm -hmm. something because he got an email yeah. not shortly after that on something we were talking about. It is, this is the kind of stuff that we're dealing with. This is the kind of world. Yeah. Um, and, and Stephen was talking about the other guy who was there, their, their brother, Stephen and Curtis Joshin. Stephen was talking about, that's the price you pay. You want to start your car in the morning? Okay, well, that's the price you pay. You give away a little bit of your security and your freedom to be free in the way you want to be. He's like, it's designed so it can know what you want before you want it so it can be more helpful. And that's the BS that they feed you. But the reality is, if you have a good idea, you better protect it because it will go out there and it'll go to the people who already have the capital to start that idea. And it'll go to the people who are already in that top 10% or 1%, depending on how you're looking at it. And they'll just further their own agendas with that. So definitely, it's definitely true. How do you so when we talk about all of this, you know, negativity in a way and this grim reality of where we're at with technology, how do you personally and this is kind of a question for both of you, how do you stay motivated in this type of day, this COVID-19 era, this, you know, crazy technology, crazy racial violence, riots, all this? How do you stay motivated to continue to do the things that you love to do and put a smile on your face every single day. So my motivation right now, my fix, uh, my, my focus is, uh, on health, um, staying healthy so that I can enjoy my, my, uh, years beyond uh, my fifties. 
and and that I see so many people that are aged and really can't, you know, that have to have people looking after them and everything. Yeah. I don't want it. I don't want to go down that road. Um, I'm running every other day. Um, uh, I've lost just recently. I got on the scale today and, and I dropped at least 10 pounds from where I was. Awesome. Um, that's awesome. Good for you. I can, that's, I can put on great. a pair of 32, sh- I can put on a pair of 32 shorts right now. Where I, wear I was, there, I was, I was in, I was in a thirty-six, uh, the beginning of this year, and still struggling. So, I can put on thirty-twos comfortably. It's still tight, but I can fit them. That's good. And so I'm out there every day. I'm sweating my butt off. I'm doing my miles, getting them in. I got in some today. I do early morning, uh, and uh, I'm starting to incorporate that. I was down. In the month of June and part of July, because of an injury, but I'm, I'm starting back up, and my goal is to run a marathon sometime next year. Hopefully, if they open up. Right now, I heard that the Peachtree Road Race is going to be virtual now. They've changed it; they moved it okay. from July 4th to Thanksgiving, and now they've moved it from there and said it's going to be virtual because there's so much, um, you know, danger in people running. Uh, in crowds and you know having fifty thousand people running down the road with no mask on, so or um, even with masks on, honestly, yeah. Um, for me, as far as what I'm doing to stay motivated in a time like this, um, I'm doing what I feel like is necessary every once in a while, and that's just disconnecting um, from all of yeah. these sources of information. Because that. if you are always being bombarded with information, you kind of don't have time to think. So, like, I'll watch the news maybe every day, every other day, because, honestly, it's just the same cycle. So, after you've mm-hmm. watched it for about an hour in the evening, you get pretty much all the, the big information. Yeah. Anything that's really pertinent is going to be carried over the next day. So, it's kind of like, um, you know, skipping a year of video games that come out every year. You know, like... Exactly. You know, there's not going to be any new features on this this year, so I'll skip it and wait for the next year for there, them to be some new features yeah. of, you know, Madden or whatever. And so that's kind of what the news is. Anything big is going to carry over. If you didn't watch the news for six or, you know, for three months, they're still going to be talking about coronavirus by the time you start watching it again. So yeah. it's watching the news, checking multiple sources to get enough information and then disconnecting from them to have time to do the research and think and analyze and come up with your own conclusion from the information that you're given instead of taking the first bit of information that you're given. So, uh, for me, staying healthy has been working on on everything I'm doing with my production company and also being able to just disconnect from these sources of information. I completely understand. That's good. Okay. So, yeah, a lot of crazy topics this year. Just the way that I stay motivated is just not by looking at anyone else, but looking at my own progress. And it's kind of another way of saying with you both, with Ah, kind of another way of saying what you both just did. Um, I'm losing a lot of weight as well. Um, like I talked about earlier, I started the On It Total Human Challenge, which is a 30-day challenge, pretty much uh, taking the best supplements that you can take um, to help your cognitive, to help your sleep, to help your recovery. And I'm feeling good. And, you know, I'm making money, I'm working hard, I'm having my house built. So those are the things, you know, I'm, I'm building a better 
future for my child that will be here very soon. So me and my wife's future is 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 you know built on a great foundation. Instead of being in an apartment, we're moving into a house. We're you know having our firstborn, and we're able to do the things that we've always wanted to do and give her the life that we want to give her. So those are the things that keep me motivated. But again, like you said, Jay, disconnecting is a must. You have got to disconnect from the things that are going on around you, because if you don't, you'll just stay in them. And it's so easy to be one track minded in a sense to where you're only concerned about what's going on with you and you're only thinking about what's going on with you. And sometimes it's good to step away, read a book every now and then, listen to a podcast every now and then and get yourself out of the forefront of your mind and think about you know, some of the other things that are going on in life and compare your situation to theirs. And guess what? You're going to find that your situation is not always the most trying and it'll give you a little bit more patience. But we're about to get into the word of the day. Dad, why don't you get him with the word of the day? All right. The word of the day is origin. It is spelled O-R-I-G-I-N. And Webster's defines it as rise, beginning, derivation from a source. It also says it's the point at which something begins or rises or from which it derives. Um, And this origin really has everything to do with the origin of my family. Um, I, I, I started over, um, started a generation um, through my wife and myself and we educated our children to be successful in the world and um, so to me it has a lot to do with origin beginning because you know it could have went either way uh, you know with the way society is and you look at society today you know, a lot of people have families, but they're broken. Um, the children yeah. are, you know, on drugs. Um, In young, jail. Young ladies, young, young ladies who are pregnant before they're 15. Um, and that, none of that happened, and I'm thankful. Um, so I, I think that, you know, our origin has been good. Um, and uh, I'm thankful for you two. Um, because what you're doing really whether you know it or not, is you're contributing to the fourth estate, which is journalism. Um, There's no way we can check the political process in this country as individuals unless we have a voice. The Second Amendment gives us that right. And as journalists, even though you don't think you are, when you produce a podcast, you're sending information out to people so that people can listen and people can think uh, and people have alternatives to thinking, and so that's what you're doing. And, and it's a good, it's a good, uh, it's it's good trouble. Some of the things <laughs> might, you know, as, as John yeah. Lewis said, it's good trouble. Absolutely, um, it it might be controversial, but you know, that's that's what it is. And you have to be controversial nowadays to shake things up because people are, um, you know. They're not paying attention anymore. And you sometimes have to shake them out of that. In in all honesty, I appreciate you saying that because... um, I do as well. I don't think that either one of us take it lightly. 
um, the responsibility of hosting and producing podcasts because we understand that a lot of people are famous or successful or at the very minimum rich because they're just talking. They're just doing whatever is the popular thing for right now. And I think that both of us understand that we want this to go beyond a quick temporary success. We're, we're trying to lay foundation that like long after I'm gone, what I say can inspire someone. We're, we're trying to lay down principles and give people shortcuts to the things that it took us so long to figure out. Exactly. And, and with my podcast, I really just more than anything, just want to inspire people not to quit on their vision and their dream because, you know, we talk about, I talk to people and artists and creatives that have gone through really tough times. And I make sure we highlight that when I talk to them because yeah. it's not glitz and glamour, but any successful person who has a tough story. I feel like, you know, anyone that's gone through something and made it to where they ultimately want to be, those are the best stories. Those are, the, those are yeah. some of the most humble people um, because nothing was yeah. given. You had to earn it and you had to go after Darn. it when it wasn't convenient. And so um, I appreciate you saying that, but I'm, I, I just also want to make sure that you understand that I don't, I'm not talking just to talk. Like I take this responsibility oh, seriously. Not. A good journalist educates. Uh, journalism has changed in the last 50 years, 40 years, 30 Two years. years. Um, everything. Yeah. Technology. Everything is now sensational. Right? Yeah. Everything is sensationalized and politicized. And uh, it's bipartisan. It, it's it's all it's all partisan. It's all partisan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's all it's not bipartisan. It's it should be. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was going to say something else, but it's partisan. But yeah, and but that, it didn't used to be that way, right? Back in the days of Walter Cronkite and 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 whatnot, journalists educated. They they were there to show tell you the information as they as they saw it as it was fed to them live the facts. with no agenda. Like here are the facts. Right, right. These are the facts. But you you, you think about that terminology, cut to the chase. That's exactly when this all started. All right, I don't want to hear that anymore. Cut to the action. It's like, you oh, so you don't want to hear the details about what really happened. You just want to see the bloody, violent gore. Okay, cool. Where do you go? Exactly. Exactly. Give me the the juicy part of the story. None of the details that actually give me the context Mm -hmm. of the story. I'll make that up on my way home. I'll make that up on my way home. You just give me what I can talk about. That's the bad part. It is the bad part. But I, like you said, part. and I do appreciate that as well, because, you know, I didn't really look at it from that standpoint, but it's true. And I talk about it all the time when we talk about giving people, you know, the idea that there's something else out there and not to go on too long about this. But I think it's important to talk about the darkness, uh, the Jocko podcast that started this podcast. I, I love it because, you know, whenever I'm in my own head and I'm thinking about all oh, woe is me, what's going on? I was biking the other day on the phone with a friend. I had both of my headphones in and it started raining and old me would have just said, oh, look at my luck. This is ridiculous. I can't believe it's raining. My headphones are going to get wet. But you know what? I said good and I kept pedaling because just before I had that conversation, I was in the middle of listening to the Jocko podcast and he was talking about um, the Cold War and you need to listen to the podcast if you haven't already listened to it. I say it all the time, but I'm going to kind of cut it short. Basically, you know, you had a soldier who, you know, went through all this training, became really good friends with another soldier. They're having a conversation, looks over to grab his um, canteen, looks back up, and his friend's head and is blown off. And his 
his body is now covered with his friend who he was just having a conversation with. And so he's withering down in just sorrow and, and anguish. And he's trying to have a moment. But guess what? The enemy's coming. So the general comes over and is like, hey, if you don't get up and shoot at them, I'm going to shoot you with a gun on the temple to his head. So, yeah, I think I can bike through the rain. <laughs> you got to hear about the darkness to appreciate the light. You've got to hear about other people's struggle. And quite frankly, if you're not educating yourself in some form or fashion, you're doing yourself and the world an injustice. You have got to further your education every single day because if you don't, you get out of school and then what happens? Oh, I'm done learning. I guess it's time to punch in and out until I die. No, you've got to push the agenda. You've got to think about other people. And the only way you do that is by furthering your education. I don't care what podcast you're listening to or what book you're reading. Get into something else that takes you out of your daily routine and think about somebody else and try and further your education and something else. Thank you guys, like I said, for, for coming on. I can't wait to link back up with you. It's going to be a great time. Thank you, Tucker, for, for allowing me to be on. It's a privilege and an honor. And uh, it's been a while since I've talked with you two together, so it's good. I so, know, right? Thank you. It has been. Yeah, it has been a while. Yeah, man. Thank yeah. you. Um, you know, I, I was honored to be on your show uh, for episode seventeen. And exactly. anytime you can just invite me, I'm I'm here, man. I love doing this with you. I cannot wait to get on your podcast, guys. If you want to know more about Jay, you can follow him on all the socials at Art X Art Media. Look him up on Instagram, YouTube, and all of the socials. If you want to know more about John Wright, you can follow him on Instagram at cjohnrun63. Both of those links will be in the description of this podcast below. If you want to follow me, you can follow me at Tucker10 underscores. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for supporting. Thank you for my new four subscribers, my first four subscribers. I appreciate that. And Thank you all for donating to the podcast to help support this movement. I appreciate it, and I will see you all next time. Peace.